1: Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and
0: pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024.
2: Now, people are saying that the United States should come in and defend them, but nobody else is. And that's where I want to get to. Like, is it totally our responsibility to keep Russia from doing this? Or should the EU be some way more involved in this, you know?
1: Oh, um, now this is where it gets really interesting. Because so- we're
2: the world police and we don't want to be and nobody wants us to be. But every time there's a problem, they're like, come and save us. And we're like, but you said no. <laughs> you know."
0: It's time now for something positive. We might be headed to the promised land the of promised speaking land. the truth the promised land. and finding yeah. our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. The problem can only be solved. And there is a kind of coalition of conscience. Of conscience. Because conscience. that is how it works. This is the
2: beginning. It is not the finale. And that's why we're here. And that's why we rally we rally. We
0: rally. Rally. Rally
1: rally. We've got to be that creative minority. Created minority. Created
0: minority. Find minority. a way creative to minority. get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. Franklin, I know we've got to do something.
2: Well, alright. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Public Access America. Before I push the live stream button, I just want to say thank you for listening to the podcast and thank you to Cult America for the cross promotion. It's a great podcast. You should go check it out anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Also, don't forget to listen to unsubscribe with one of my favorite shows and always go back to the archives and listen to the latest and greatest episodes from public access America we have over 700 episodes at your disposal and you can binge us all day and night long on YouTube at public access America where we stream our live streams Every Sunday noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific, we have a playlist called Red Circle Spotlight. I want to let you know about that because that's where I personally put some of my favorite episodes. And this week we did add our um, what was that? Our network debate series about guns, and that happened a while ago. Jeffrey's here, so we are going to get started. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, buddy, what's up?
1: Oh, you know, just another day in paradise. Cold and foggy here.
2: Mm. Last I heard, paradise was rebuilding after a massive fire. What about Utopia? Try that place.
1: Mm. <laughs> I heard that place became very dystopian.
2: Yeah, mm. yeah. It became full of, like, Republicans that had a different agenda on what Utopia should be. And, you know, it all fell to shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, hi, everybody. Welcome to Public Access America. Our live stream is on YouTube every Sunday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and you can hear our podcast anywhere you find your favorite podcast. I didn't even create a note this week, Jeffrey, because I just figured after two weeks, you had a week off. I had Adam in as a special guest host, and that went really well. How was was your time off?
1: It was great. Um, Yeah? You know, just... Sometimes you just got to take a break and it's been so busy lately for me yeah. and just being able to sit down and relax and, and not do much has been really helpful um, just yeah. in, you know, just in the general scheme of things. So
2: it's a hard thing for people to relax. They, I, I know me personally, I feel guilty when I do it because there's always something to do. And every time I take time for myself, I feel guilty about that.
1: No, and that's and that's you know people shouldn't feel guilty about taking you know time for know. themselves. Right. You know, we we kind of you know I I you grow up conditioned with the whole you gotta keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Your body just doesn't do yeah. that. <laughs>
2: right but yeah you're right we're trained to just keep driving forward till we die you know i don't know Mm -hmm. is that a is that a corporate mentality is that how they want their workers or is that an american thing or a world thing is it just progress progression of technology giving us more access for more things to do
1: (laughs) honestly i i would say that it's it's somewhat of a, a holdover from the old world, to be perfectly honest, you know, growing up a farmer, you know, one of the things that you realize, uh, you know, the most people don't think about is, is like, especially when you have cows, the cows don't, you know, just fend for themselves on Sunday, you know, (laughs) and Saturday, you you still got to go out there and feed them, you know, in, in an agrarian life, you know, you're not taking days off. You're still, Mm -hmm. you still got stuff to do. And so a lot of that, you know, comes from the idea that, well, you know, if, you know, from the agrarian lifestyle, you know, you're constantly working. And so, you know, you, you bring that over into whatever other, uh, work world exists. And, and really that's just, you know, did we do it? Yes. But when you look at what our lifespan used to look like, not exactly, you know, great data point,
2: (laughs) Right. No, that's a good point. I talked with um, Adam last week about domination mentality. And because somebody had mentioned that, because I'm always looking for the root causes of things. And I saw a lot of anger. And I was like, where did that come from? And I was like, judgment. If we stop judging the situation, we won't be angry about it. But then I realized, why do we judge? We judge because we've been raised in this like domination mentality where we have to conquer and be better than everyone else until mm-hmm. there's no one else remaining. And I think I think that's another core. I can't wait to find out what caused domination mentality. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, I'm going to go with that's probably another carryover from the old world.
2: Right. No, I believe that. But what you said just triggered it because you were like in an agricultural society, you know, you mm-hmm. have to, you have to constantly work, but agricultural society, um, it's said that agricultural society brought us out of the dark ages and into modern civilization. So how mm-hmm. did we, it seems to be a split because farmers aren't, aren't domineering. <laughs> right. But but the governments that control the the land are maybe like, how do we get domination mentality from an agricultural society? You know, it's weird to me.
1: Oh, you could go through an entire history of that. I mean, you think about it from the days of being nomads and hunters and gatherers, Mm -hmm. you're always having to dominate the landscape because guess what? If you don't, if you don't dominate the landscape, you die.
2: That's true. I never think of a farmer like shooting bears and wolves just to keep his like property safe or well, the Mongols or something. You know well, I
1: mean? even just as recent as like the old West, you know, you think about it. Mm. You, you you go back and you watch some of those movies. Somebody rides up to the house. What do you typically see? Somebody's out there with the damn shotgun or a rifle yeah. usually. And why is that? Cause you never knew who was going to be coming out there to take your stuff. Wow. So. The reality is, is that even as recently as 150 years ago, that was still very much a thing.
2: There's been farmers and pillagers, right, throughout mm-hmm. history. But I don't know, in a modern age, do we really need that domination mentality to control every aspect of our lives, you know what I mean?
1: Well, and I think that's really just you know finding out that that balance. It just depends on what it is you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. If you're if you know if you're going if you're going into something where you're trying to be, you know, let's say a CEO of an organization, being being weak-willed is not going to get you there.
2: Right, but being empathetic might be a an attribute that we would want. You know?
1: Well, and I think that just highly depends on the organization itself too, yeah. because in the end, you know, whether, you know, being empathetic does help your cause, but when you have, let's say 600 other people or organizations working towards the same cause that you are and you think you have the best idea, you still mm-hmm. have to be somewhat dominant in order to make sure that your idea is the one that is fostered and grown and not somebody else's.
2: Good point good point. But in an opinion-based way, we don't really need to force our opinions on others. I'm trying to segue into the two topics. There's three topics this week, two of which I want to talk about. One, I think we um, is a to be determined because we just don't have enough information. And you and I talked yep. uh, briefly ahead of time that we really don't want to cover Omicron until we have more information and we have right. an informed voice with us, which just leaves the Supreme Court and abortion and that whole thing. And Man, the shooting in in Michigan. You know what I mean?
1: Well, uh dealer's choice, which would you like to start with? Or or
2: a topic of your own. I really wanted to see where Jeffrey's HUD was at because I seem to be a consumer and I think you took a break from a lot of that. So I'm kind of curious. So,
1: I did take a break from a lot of that, and and I think you know, uh we can we can definitely we can definitely get into like the, you know, me consuming absolutely nothing and how healthy that is for your, for your mentality, Except for um,
2: turkey, right. And stuffing.
1: Cranberry I sauce. didn't even, I didn't even do that, dude.
2: Wow.
1: Yeah. Our, our plans kind of got, our plans kind of, kind of got sank and and that was fine. It worked out that, you know, both Debbie and I just needed a break.
2: <laughs> oh, that I believe. And I, I. Yeah, you gotta recharge your brains. I think that's funny. I had homemade egg McMuffin.
0: <laughs> hey, there I you go. For
2: Thanksgiving, you know. There I you was go. Happy. I had the house to myself and I was just happy to lay in bed and watch football. Man, that Perfect. was nice. It was a nice day, and I did downgrade a little. Yeah, I did I did charge, recharge, I think.
1: So let's you know, I had both topics are awful, so
2: yeah. Or a third. We could talk about Russia amassing troops on Ukraine oh, I figure and that Lithuania. Will, you know.
1: I figure that'll come up uh, regardless. Let's- I hope
2: so, because uh, Russia is our in our top five listenership again. <laughs> so I always want to ho- try and change the hearts and minds of the Russian people and let them know that their forces are amassing against somebody that's not in an attack formation (laughs) ukraine and lithuania are in a defensive formation they're not trying to attack russia in any way so i don't know anyway
1: um i mean well you know russia's not russia's not a bad topic to talk about to start with before we ease into local awful um so i mean the the issue between russia and ukraine has been ongoing for well seven years going on eight you know Mm -hmm.
2: Really since World War II, right? When Russia I, lost so much and tried getting more and all that stuff.
1: Well, I mean I mean to 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 go through the entirety of Russian Ukraine relationship is I mean you're gonna go <laughs> back to the beginnings. You're Two gonna people go back born,
2: one in Russia, one in Ukraine.
1: <laughs> well and, and and you know, even then you, you look back to well uh, what was her name? I just watched something on her
2: um russian or ukrainian
1: ukrainian um mm. is it uh saint olga um basically she was she was one of the she, i want to say she was one of the she's one of the queens of the kievan rus and so the oh. kievan rus next uh it, it, it so the rus you know you had different tribes of the rus and kievan rus um from some historians' perspectives, they lay the fo- the foundation for what is you know the modern, you know, Russo-Slavic area, you know, Ukraine, Russia, Belarus, things like that. Right, so, right. so uh, you know, you can you could start there. You could start with uh, what would be probably you know more the you know the run up to World War One. You could start with the Bolshevik Revolution. You could start with um, the you could start with uh, post World War II uh, Soviet Union and, and the different SSRs. Um, you could start with the post-Soviet breakup. You know, the, when you look at that particular area, you know, that it, breakup.
2: It's, I think is where is a good a good place to start.
1: Well, and and one of the things that we have to keep in mind as you know, Americans, we didn't grow up with this constantly reshaped, reforming boundaries of of different nations through different wars. You know, the United States is. Only expanded, it's never really contracted in any way, shape, or form. Um, right. and, and you know, our 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 situation has been pretty solid since 1950s, with you know, I would say really the only two issues outlie uh, that are outliers are you know, you've got the Philippines, Malaysia, uh, that at one point wanted to be part of the United States and then ultimately said, nah, fuck that, we're gonna do our own thing. That's a shame. And then you've got Puerto Rico who wants to be a part of the United States, but you know, for whatever reason, our government, despite the Puerto Ricans voting in favor of it have said no. So there's that.
2: Yeah. We don't want to change the fl- the flag, you know,
1: which whatever, <laughs> whatever, it's a terrible decision. Yeah. Besides it's, you know, you think about it like a 52 deck of cards, you know, 51, mm-hmm. You know, it's a 51 deck, it'd be a 51 deck, but if you made D.C. a state, then you'd have, you know, you'd have to go through and figure out who's going to be the spades, the clubs, the hearts, and the diamonds. And-
2: right, but if Texas succeeds and California breaks up into four states and the Dakotas become one state, I mean, I don't know where we're at at this point, you know, so...
1: But anyways, back to, back to Ukraine and Russia. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Vladimir so, Putin. Let's go with Vladimir Putin age. So you let's, know, I don't want to, I don't want to go too I think, far back in the history.
1: Well, I think, but, but I think we do need to establish some history is the thing, because, because really what you have is, you know, when you get to the Bolshevik revolution, you have, you know, all of these different areas that were, that were countries, duchies, whatever, they get brought in underneath of the soviet union and essentially they get divided up into different administrative areas with like the ukrainian ssr being one of them and so you know you have what you end up having is you have these lines that are drawn for soviet purposes of administration and kind of along ethnicish lines but in the end you know come the fall of the soviet union Many of those areas still stay the same with some fighting over who gets what.
2: Right, tribal um, regions and such.
1: You know, you have, you have you know, extensive fighting with Chechnya, you have Georgia with the South of Asia, and there's one other region. Uh, I mean, you've got uh, Azerbaijan and uh, Armenia going at it. Um, oh man! Yeah. Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan—you know, you, you've got a tire fucking mess over there. Yeah. So, so just to kind of give you some context, with with the fall of the Soviet Union, some places were able to say, "All right, we're you know, we're going to keep our administ- you know, what was our administrative areas, and that's going to be our state ter- territory." Some places didn't do that and are still fighting over it. Hmm. But some of what you, but some of what the current issue comes from is the fact that even though the Soviet Union was, you know, in the eyes of most Americans, this giant overlapping entity, there were still these individual SSRs that were, you know, effectively countries um, that, you know, they, they still had their own territorial issues and their own territorial desires ukraine being one of them but because you have this large russian presence that was in all of these countries mm-hmm. what ends up happening is you have uh, a significant russian diaspora that's placed in all of these areas so this is where you know now you know we get to the post-soviet union you know we move in you know past the boris yeltsin days into the vladimir putin days yeah vladimir then, wants to expand back to its former glory i, I would say that that at, I would say that that definitely is uh, probable. Um, I would also say that the you know I I guess I can't speak for the Russian people, but but in in a lot of polling, you know, there's a lot of Russians who feel that you know, you know, at least under the Soviet Union, you Russians felt powerful, and that hasn't been the case for a long time. Right and so there is somewhat of a nostalgic feeling for those those soviet days without you know actually being soviet <laughs> and and so it, what ends up happening is you have crimea you have this region of uh, uh of ukraine um i want to say donbass and the it starts with an l i can't remember it um but the but there's a lot of ethnic russians and so right. you start to ask, why are there ethnic Russians? Well, the answer is, you know, Crimea used to host the Baltic Fleet, or not the Baltic Fleet, the uh, Black Sea Fleet.
2: Black yeah, sea. they're they're off the Black Sea, right?
1: Black Sea Fleet. Um, I'm thinking other direction. That's Baltic Fleet is where the where Kaliningrad is, but that's then that's another story in and of itself.
2: And it used to be Russia. Ukraine, Crimea used to be Russia, so there is Russians there, right?
1: Well, kind of, sort of, but not really. Um, Hmm. uh, it's, I mean, it just all depends on what history map you want to look at. You know, remember this is, this is a place where you just have this amalgamation of fighting and borders expanding and contracting and different rulers sitting at different heads at different times. And, you know, you have centuries upon centuries and it's just a matter of how far back or how far forward Mm -hmm. do you want to look or how recent
2: it's kind of like Texas expanding. And El Paso being Mexico, suddenly being Texas, but still primarily a Latin um region. You know what I mean?
1: So with so with uh so with uh Eastern Ukraine, you have a lot of Russian-speaking um hmm. Ukrainians there, Russia ethnic Russians that are in Ukraine, and you have a lot of ethnic Russians that are still in Ukraine from the days of the Soviet Union, and so it then becomes this question of who actually is the owner of the land. You know, we've talked about this a lot where, you know, lines drawn artificially based on yeah. other powers doesn't necessarily work out to be the best. Right. So, you know, typically, you know, what you'd seen in the past was, is that, you know, you'd have territories carved out by actual, uh, ethnic majorities of an area. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But administratively, what you saw in the breakup of post-Soviet Union, and and I would argue you've seen it in, in World War One as well, and and post-colonial uh, Britain, you have these Britain, maps. Britain took
2: all the land and divided it for themselves for mm-hmm. other people. Like all the land, all of the current popular borders were made by them. You know right. what I mean? So, so in the Middle East, anyway. Sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you have you have a lot of conflicting claims to different areas you know what so what was once you know uh, administratively held by ukraine uh, during the the soviet area and and i would probably argue most likely prior to the bolshevik revolution um russia sees as also their own because you know there's Probably going to go back and be some territorial claims in in the in, in Monarch Russia's period in Tsarist Russia period, um, but the reality is is that for a hundred years it's administratively and physically been Ukraine. Uh, with Crimea, I want to say that Turkey actually ha- held claim to Crimea for a long time. And even Turkey weighed in saying that, um, it either goes back to Ukraine or it should go back into their hands. That's, that was an interesting take in and of itself. So then, so then it goes down to what does the fighting look like? You know, you have territorially what the state of Ukraine claims is theirs. But then when you look at the ethnic issue at hand, you have ethnically what, Russia and what probably the eastern part of Ukraine feels is is that they belong within Russia. And supposedly, and I say supposedly because, well, um, it's kind of hard to have uh, any sort of an election when you've got military presence. Um, The Crimean Peninsula voted to become part of Russia. Um, But there, again, when you're occupied, it's kind of hard to see that you have a a free yeah. and clear uh path to say no or yeah. not especially so, when
2: you have a russian influence that that's known to you know skew things their direction that's
1: right but at the same time too the idea that um, it's the the things.
2: I bet you there's people in Russia going fuck you skew things.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, don't get me wrong. I can we can we can we can go into how the United yeah, States no. skews things. That's that's yeah
2: yeah. We just you, do it in Latin America and the Middle East.
1: <laughs> well, also with Russia too. I mean, we're I mean, there's so much fucking propaganda on our part, and it's I mean, of let's course. be realistic. <laughs> mm. but this the country built on democracy has had a history of fucking with other people's elections right so there's that Uh, but but trying to stick to the more historical um side of things without and without
2: before we get too far there's borders that that are in con you know in conflict between those two countries but then those there's borders that are recognized by the eu and the the world so
1: correct and and it's you know the the whole like who recognizes what border is
2: Right, right. It's
1: all over the map. <laughs> hey, okay, that's a but great pun the, right there. <laughs> the so Vladimir, right
2: Putin, Vladimir, <laughs> Vladimir Putin. Vladimir. Vladimir Putin is amassed a hundred thousand troops. um mm-hmm. Vladimir Zelensky. Vladimir. Uh, I had it. He he stopped a coup attempt apparently, and yeah, there's there's worries now. People yep. are saying that the united states should come in and defend them but nobody else is and that's where i want to get to like is it totally our responsibility to keep russia from doing this or should the eu be some way more involved in this you know
1: oh um now this is where it gets really interesting because we're
2: the world police and we don't want to be and nobody wants us to be but every time there's a problem they're like come and save us and we're like but you said no, <laughs> you
1: know. Oh, absolutely. So you've got two issues at hand here when it comes to uh, Ukraine, uh, at least in in Western, in, in the Western eyes. Number one is, you know, obviously, you know, should the United States be responsible for rolling in and and protecting Ukraine? Right. But then you also have number two, Russia's issue with Ukraine trying to become a member of NATO.
2: That's Russia's big, you know, they're trying to keep them from going there. That's what all this is about, right? To keep them from going into NATO.
1: Which case, you know, that's, I think, uh, if you're trying to, if you're trying to keep a country from going into NATO, Putting a 1, thousand, a hundred thousand troops on their border is probably not the way you want to say, Hey, you know what? Yeah. Let's have a friendly relationship that doesn't involve NATO. please. Let's, let's actually work out some trade deals that are beneficial to both of us. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's try and have some friendly relationship. Not like not doing the whole, Hey, where we don't want you in NATO, by the way, here's a hundred thousand troops on your vor- border. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, you, the, the choice is yours
2: do you know how much money ukraine got from russia just for having land rights for the pipe you know the the oil pipeline Mm
1: -hmm. and now
2: now this new pipeline is going to cut ukraine out Mm -hmm. i mean and and now germany's becoming dependent on russian gas it's like do people not understand that like they're giving russia all this leverage to do what they're doing you know
1: well, that goes back to the whole discussions that we've had about, you know, energy diversification. If your, mm-hmm. if your economy is, is he- held hostage by another state, it doesn't matter what state, right. You know, you're always going to be having to play the role of appeasement and you know, even, the, even the world, even the world health organization, uh or the, yeah, was it the world health? Yeah. World health organization came out and said that in terms of, making it to like, you know, net zero, um, or, and zero emission, nuclear has to be on the table for power generation. Oh Oh, yeah. So the fact of the matter is, is, is that, you know,
2: a different kind of nuclear though, not the nuclear we think that makes bombs, the nuclear that actually doesn't leave as much, uh, fissile material, you know?
1: Correct. And eventually, you know, that'll, that'll actually move towards fusion material uh fusion Mm -hmm. uh, reactors so it'll be it'll it'll all just it'll it'll eventually get there but it's not there today um so uh, here's the thing is 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 does russia russia of course looks like the aggressor in, in western eyes absolutely you know there's that would be like you know us you know just looking at mexico and going yeah, you know, we're, we're just having issues with the migrant crisis. So, you know, you know, we want you to work on this, but in the meantime, we're just going to throw a hundred thousand American troops, tanks, and vehicles at the Southern border. And, you know, Mexico, the choice is yours to, to really, you know, decide what you're going to do about this. It doesn't work. That the, idea know,
2: is disgusting to me. Sorry. Exactly.
1: It, it's a terrible idea. And guess what? It doesn't do. It doesn't actually fix the problem.
2: Right. It just addresses it. In not
1: a, in a even. Way it way. doesn't even address the problem. Basically, then you people
2: know, just get hysterical over it. It gets attention. is more of my point.
1: In the 1860s, we called it gunboat diplomacy. Is what it was. You'd oh. have. You'd have. You'd have a, a vast naval power show up at, off your shore, and it's like, look, we're not saying you shouldn't do this, but <laughs> be a lot cooler if you did. Right. Like they had a fucking choice. And, and, and so it was called gunboat diplomacy is what it was called. And it's no different. You mm. you throw a bunch of arms at the border of any country and say, Hey, look, we don't like the decision you're making. The choice is yours.
2: That's what the pilgrims did, by the way. That's ironic. They yeah. just came off America's shore, found out there was Indians there and <laughs> shooting their cannons until the Indians thought they were gods.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not happy the
2: thanksgiving best. by the way <laughs>
1: not the best decision at all at all no no so so the question really becomes a, you know what what do you do to try and you know either soften or repair russian-ukraine relationships yeah. and and if your answer is troops tanks whatever look it's not going to go the way that you think it's going to go i mean at Best, you just end up pulling yourself into a war that, you know, number one, Russia is going to throw, you know, money and troops at, and then the West is going to throw money and troops at. Like, that's the reality.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day to find out more visit parker.com slash purpose parker engineering your success what's so special about hero Bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.
2: The, Russia looks like the aggressor because Rus, Russia is being aggressive. They, they could very easily do an influence campaign and throw money at the at the region and move people in that are more Russian people into the area and then have these votes that would give them all of this very legally, but they seem to want mm. to be the aggressor and take things by force for some reason. And that's my whole issue is that they, they, they put a 10 on it when it could be done at a three over a slightly longer period. Of well,
1: time. I think the, I think the issue at hand is, is that the, the way that it, at least the way that it's perceived here is, is that the, you know what, that's what Russia did was, They've had people move in. They've had ethnic Russians take, take this, this, you know, come in and and live in this area and work in this area. That's great. And now they're like, okay, now it's ours. We're going to take it by force.
2: Okay. Because there was a vote that said we want to be part of Russia.
1: Yeah, not really. Once again, it's one of those, it's kind of hard to have a free and fair election when there's guns sitting outside the polls.
2: (laughs) Well, I agree, but I can't just go to the oh, elections are bad and always tainted.
1: (laughs) I mean, mean, let's be real. I gotta kind
2: of gotta stand by them at some point.
1: Well, but that's but you know, it's one thing to to try and do oh the all the elections are fake and false and and wrong, but objectively, you know, you can have multiple organizations say that an election is flawed, and and that is a
2: tightrope trap, isn't it? Either you say all all are fair or all are bad. There's a combination of all of them. Right. I just don't want to assume that it's not real because Russia was a part of it. And I've never seen an election that Russia has been a part of that's been free and fair. So it's tough. Well, it's tough I, to give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean,
1: well. there's, I've got friends who are Russian, and, and they, they, you know, they laugh and say, "I don't understand what you Americans are complaining about. You're complaining about the fact that it's taking you ten hours to get the results of the election when we've had the results two hours before <laughs> it ever started, right?" Exactly. So, so yeah. I mean, you know, democracy in and of itself is is an experiment, and and at least you know the American version of it is very much an experiment of mm-hmm. how how free can a country be, uh, and excuse me,
2: yeah,
1: willing and, to, the... and willfully and willingly participate in uh, the idea that we get to choose who leads us,
2: right. Give us our freedoms and let us take the direction we're taking.
1: So it's, it's, it's really tough because, you know, even, even the United States is, is seen to have a flawed democracy and, and, yeah and that's, you know, it's, it's tough because when you f- don't feel like you have a whole lot of choices, you kind of end up just going with whatever for however long it takes, you yeah. know? In the history of the United States, you know, we had more parties in the first hundred years of the country than we've had in the last hundred and fifty. Right. In the last hundred and fifty, we've had two parties with a smattering of others. But
2: I think to myself, like the government, a nuclear bomb isn't communist or democratic. It's just a bomb. It's whoever's using it. And that's the issue. You know what I mean? Mm
1: hmm. Absolutely. i like democracy
2: i'm never going to say i don't like democracy because i haven't seen another government that offers the freedoms we do so right i'm sticking with it because this is the most free a people can be in this 2021 planet
1: right and 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 the reality is, is that when i say like this democracy the reality is is that you know, it's not American democracy that we're talking about because, you know, let's, I mean, Mexico has democracy. Canada has a democracy. Mm-hmm. UK has democracy, France, Belgium, uh, Germany, Poland, Latvia, Lithuania, else? Estonia,
2: Barbados,
1: Barbados, Barbados Ooh, has democracy. Love that. You know, the reality is, is that there are so many democracies out there, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: one of the things, you know, one of the things that, Americans need to understand and, and move past is this weird concept of American exceptionalism where you know our way is the only way. When the reality is is, is that was it 212 countries and like 198 of them have uh their own democracies?
2: Right. That's <laughs> the know? weird thing. America's never been the our way country. We're the let's combine all of the best of ways. That's why we've always brought in the best and brightest because it's mm-hmm. perceptions and and attitudes that are exceptional from other countries and that we learn from, if we bring in the best people from India, we get the best perspectives from India and that's America to say that America and our thoughts alone are what make it is, is ant- antithetical to what America is, isn't it?
1: I would argue that's exactly the case. You've got people who come from other countries yearning for uh, a version of freedom in which they're able to, you know, start their own businesses without having Mm -hmm. to pay local officials, bribe money in order to get licenses. Right. right. I mean, here we call it taxes, but you know, whatever, same difference (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, uh, here, you know, here you have the freedom to choose somebody who's not uh, on a single party ticket, you know, or
2: not vote at all.
1: Right. It's, you know, you can, you know, in, in other countries, it's like you have one party to choose from and you can choose between a couple of different candidates. Mm -hmm. But the reality is is that that's not democracy when you don't get to choose, you know, the form of representation of your government that you want.
2: Look at, Um, look at the UK and like um, Israel, they, they have parties, but then they have to build a coalition of different parties. Right. And it's like, I don't know a lot of
1: european countries are that way where you have multiple mm -hmm. have multiple parties that have to build coalitions and
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: and i think that's fantastic sweden sweden's another one uh because they had their first female prime minister for all of like three hours but then the coalition immediately fell apart
2: but i mean you could actually vote for an independent in those countries or a green party candidate and those candidates actually literally get elected and if there's ten of them Now that's a little coalition that you need to work with and you get to gather those little coalitions till you make a majority and then you all come to a consensus. I like that. You know what I mean? Instead Mm -hmm. of just this two party, two parties is leaving us like at two dead ends right now oh
1: absolutely there's a reason why i've called our our system the party of bad ideas and the party of no ideas and (laughs) they just happen to be interchangeable whoever's in charge is usually you know doing nothing but uh, implementing bad ideas while the other party goes yeah well we're not going to do that okay well what would you do well we're not going to do that no that's not the question i asked you what are you going to do not Mm -hmm. not that is 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 that an answer
2: Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: really annoying Agreed. so
2: we used to be we used to be a country of ideas mm-hmm. i mean albert einstein um, robert oppenheimer from germany gave us our biggest weapon of all time right and now in these days what would we do say we don't want german scientists to help us that's weird to me like that isolationism or thinking that America, if it wasn't, the idea wasn't born and bred from America, it's a worthless idea is just ridiculous because we've never been that way as a country.
1: Right. And that's, and, and that's, I think the crazy reality of this all is, is that yeah, we've moved towards this weird era, era of isolationism, but mm-hmm. like not militarily, uh, I would say isolation in thought. So they want the
2: people isolated, but the government expands right. its influence—not it, not its territory, but its influence. Right. While it's, while we we remain suppressed.
1: So it's it's weird. It's really really weird because yeah. you know in the past we were like what you know we got people like Einstein that want to come here, cool. Mm-hmm. Oppenheimer, great. Then there was a few that we just like happened to take from the Nazis. And,
2: mm-hmm. Right. And other people came here for other things, you know. Right. um, and I don't even know their name. The girl that invented the vaccine of today was an immigrant. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, and we, we get information from everywhere around the world to make the best things possible. I just so wish right. people understood because America first or even Joe Biden's buy American is kind of isolationism you know what i mean and it doesn't matter if -hmm. if there's rhetoric saying we want to be more expansive if you're still keeping all those tariffs and ideas trump had and not changing them to become more Mm -hmm. of a borderless economic system then we're just going to retreat into this
1: i I think that and i will say that there has to be some caveats like for example um like crucial supply lines, you know, mm-hmm. obviously like chips are a big part of our supply system. Hell not yeah. having them is is not exactly a great day for us. You know, so right. I, but think, also, I think
2: also buying them cheaply because uh, Uyghurs made them isn't acceptable to right. me. I, I, don't, I don't think that's acceptable.
1: Right. So, I mean, there, there's definitely like some elements of, you know, the way that I look at it is, you know, it, you need to move more towards the grocery store model. You know, you've got a few brands out there that, you know, you know that they're higher quality brands and you're going to be like, hmm, I like this one. I don't like that one. And then you got like the store brand and you're like, mm-hmm. you know what? Fuck it. That one's good enough.
2: Sometimes and, it and is.
1: Exactly. <clears throat> I'm sorry, but there really isn't much of a difference between, you know, your local store brand spaghetti noodle and, and the high priced spaghetti noodle most of the time. Right. Right. Especially when you ain't got any money and you're hungry.
2: That's right. That's right.
1: So... The reality is, is is that the complex relationship of Ukraine, Russia is very, uh, not, not much understood by Western countries and Western cultures. And I would argue like people in general, but I will say that putting troops on the border of any country and telling them you do or don't want them to do something, is not going to go the way that you want it to and and we've got to get as a world we have to get past this idea that if we want something we put a military force on the border and and right this false dichotomy of choice yeah that's that's
2: domination mentality groups can do what diplomats cannot and that's not true
1: and and the thing is is that you know time and time again what we say is nobody wins in war You know, I mean, United States is going to make a pretty penny off of selling military equipment and, Mm -hmm. you know, ultimately, you know, somebody's going to end up having to go and fight. And the question is, is what countries are going to be willing to do that? And what countries are not going to be willing to do that? Especially when, you know, your ability to heat your homes is dependent upon one country, but Mm -hmm. your values and principles are, you know, are the hope of another, so it's a shitty situation.
2: We're trading cheaper stuff from countries that commit human atrocities, and we're just accepting that. What I want to see is Vladimir Putin going to Ukraine and stating his case. Like here during an election, we have Donald Trump and Joe Biden stating their cases and somebody wins. I would love to see Vladimir Putin stating his case to why his version of communism should be incorporated in the area, and if he changes the hearts and minds, then he does that. If he believes communism is the best form of government, then he should be able to speak to it and not force somebody under the barrel of a gun to do it.
1: I would make the argument that not only should not only should there be a, a democratic uh, solution, but a financial one as well. If you know, for example, the people in. Uh, I remembered it now. Donbass and Luhansk. Mm. If, the yeah. for, um, <clears throat> if the people of those two regions were to vote for um uh, if the people of those two regions were to vote for joining Russia, right, then what should happen is is that Russia and Ukraine get together and have a discussion on purchase of that land like we used to do in the past. It's okay. Like, right. hey, let's you know rather than rather than fight out this war, it's like there's going to be money spent on this. Why don't right. we why don't we do something constructive you know that'll allow number one people who have voted in a free and fair election to become a part of the of the country that they feel that they belong to but also two, would financially compensate ukraine in a way that would allow them to invest in whatever you know path forward they want to do yeah. the reality is is that if you're going to spend money let's do it fucking constructively And Mm -hmm. not destructively because guess what? You're going to spend a bunch of money on military weapons. There's going to be a lot of fighting, a lot of deaths. Right. And then you're going to have to spend a bunch of money again on reconstructing these areas when the fighting eventually stops. Mm -hmm. Whereas instead of you could literally have this exchange of funds once. That's right. And never. And and both countries now get to build towards what it is that they're looking to build towards like,
2: how do you, you know, celebrate your history when you're constantly destroying it and rebuilding it, you know, exactly. Like, I mean, let's honor that. I mean, yes, there's other ways to do it then. And that's what irritates me about, Vladimir Putin, he does things subversively and by force, which tells me he doesn't even believe in his own ideas. Come to America and speak to our Congress and say why communism is better. You have the right to do that. B.B. Netanyahu Net- did that. He addressed Congress, right? We have these freedoms to do that here. You can do that. Don't subversively try and get, you know, it's just, it to me, it's tough. There's diplomatic ways and then there's military ways and you said it like we have to get away from the domineering military presences
1: well and and i mean it's tough because you know as a country you know for ukraine and and this is where you know <clears throat> i couldn't imagine how it's going to feel like you have a section of your your country that's just like oh, we don't want to be a part of you anymore you know uh-huh. we've all had we've we've all had people leave our lives and you're like wow that really is painful that sucks right but you know at the same time too you know what that should be do for you as a country is make you sit down and say, you know what, what do we do to show that the direction we're headed is the right direction, you know, for right. the people that are here yeah. and, and, you know, don't get me wrong. There's always going to be a need for military and especially, you know, in, in any region of the country, uh, any region of the world, but this idea that <clears throat> militarily this is a military military is the only solution like it's 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 not the greatest idea and it's not the greatest look and we've got to get right. past that even even the united states has to get past that mm-hmm. you know we ta- cause we're because we
2: trying though i think desperately I've, i think we're trying i
1: i hope so um because we shouldn't be in most of the areas that we're in in terms of you know trying to protect other countries right it's it has benefited other countries that we've been there and in, and in some ways it's benefited us. Absolutely. There's, you oh, know, sure. But at the same time too, like military spending is expensive. And I don't know if many people realize that, you know, <clears throat> whether it's our budget or whether it's, you know, uh, new equipment, upkeep of equipment, whether it's paying training. for troops, training, training yeah. other people's troops, uh occupying military bases in other countries where we get invited in because you know they, we've got countries that have invited us in.
2: Right. We've got countries and we give where them, we're them just our, staying. like Saudi Arabia. We we went there and we helped <clears> them, but they couldn't actually use the military without our support because we were we were the blob as it were. You know, mm-hmm. the little uh technicians and all that stuff. You right.
1: Know? Right. And so you know and it, mm. we positioned ourselves that way and we realized it was the worst position to take because mm-hmm. you know it makes it really difficult to have any sort of defense force if you're the if you're the one that has to be in charge of it
2: right we 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 have a surveillance state i think around the world we need surveillance and mm-hmm. but i think that is to tell other people and other militaries where they should beef up i don't think it's like okay, we see Russians massing on the Ukrainian border, so now it's our responsibility because we found it. I think we should be like, hey, world, this is happening. What do we do about it? Not, hey, United States. <laughs> Personally, I don't think we should be sending 100,000 100, U.S. troops, but I do think we should be on average in support as other European countries are in defending that border.
1: Absolutely, and and I think that... And, and I think that that's you know it all depends on the solution that you want to take. I, mm-hmm. I wish that there were different slash better solutions uh, that could be used. Because um, nobody wins in war. Nobody really mm-hmm. wins. It costs everybody something. It just yeah. costs. <clears throat> it just costs some countries more than others. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to help. That's not going to help anybody. It's not going to foster goodwill. It's not going to foster growth uh-huh. it's not going you know, to foster uh any sort of urge to you know cooperate on especially areas where you know we desperately need to cooperate
2: right okay so russian people i love you and i i have no problem with your governmental system if you don't like i'm not judging you for that but you, there's better ways than how your leader is handling it looking strong and is one thing but sometimes strength is trusting the diplomacy, taking the longer road to ensure a more steady and solid base mm. for your argument. Going in with a gun just tells the world you don't believe in your theory. To me, that's what I'm gonna say about it. I don't know.
1: <laughs> mm. okay. Absolutely.
2: Man, let's and we're
1: and, 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 and saying that as the country that's gone in with the gun.
2: Well, I'm Multiple just saying, times. yeah, I'm just saying that as a human from the United States that isn't like, beholding holding to any of the governments involved, you know. Right, right. You the know. human perspective says we shouldn't be, we shouldn't send <sighs> people. Shouldn't send other people to kill other people,
1: hmm?
2: anywhere at any time. <laughs>
1: don't disagree. Huh? Said okay. I don't disagree.
2: Gotcha. So we have like fifteen minutes left left. So I'm going to go say something in Belarus that irritates me, and so. Belarus is inviting people, immigrants from Syria and Afghanistan into their country, flying them in and then putting them on the border with the European Union, specifically Poland, and then telling them they're unwanted and they should go to Poland to create an issue. And people are calling them illegal immigrants. And I wanted to to get this on the record and say that's gross. They're not. They're being shipped in. They're being invited into the country that they're going into. And then they're being forced out, which doesn't make the immigrant the problem. It makes the people inviting them the problem. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about this? Because it's really bugging me. This situation oh, yeah. is really bugging me.
1: There's been some great reporting on it. And and mm-hmm. this is one of those ones where um, so to give a kind of an idea, there's these quote unquote travel agencies <clears throat> that are talking about how they can get people into the European Union by right. way of Belarus and so these 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 uh, travel agencies uh what they're doing is they're they're finding people who are desperate to leave their country right and they're spending a lot of money a lot of money to try and get mm-hmm. these you know people in and then as soon as they get them in are trucking them off to the border.
2: Right. Specifically to create a problem now, with Poland.
1: The Belarusian government is what they're what they're doing is is they're saying no, we're not responsible for it. It's these travel agencies and blah blah blah. But mm-hmm. given, you know, what we know about Belarus where it's all under the control of the government, that's not that's a lie so yeah
2: if you can ground a plane that's flying over your region and and arrest somebody you can stop these refugees from coming over
1: public access america it's always funny because like especially because as you know libertarians we get a ton of shit even amongst other libertarians
2: I think political philosophy is a lot like religion and where there's moments you have to go on faith and trust what somebody else is saying.
1: The main the main focus is, is it's like less dependence on the government because well, We've seen how that's gone. And you don't have to do that if you think about it in a human way. You know, more dependence on connections with each other.
2: You can always bring it back to what would one human do for another? What would a hundred do for a hundred?
1: People looking looking out for people.
2: people. Find Public Access America anywhere you find your favorite podcast every Sunday and Thursday. And join the chat on YouTube at Public Access America every Sunday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Communities looking out for community. Public Access America. History in the making making history in the making in the making, in the making in the making
1: in the making in the making so the reality is is that you know Lukashenko there is trying to make himself out to be uh not the bad guy in the situation where he's absolutely the bad guy and then mm-hmm. he goes crying to Russia when when everybody's like oh when he says oh no everybody's trying to pick on me And then, you know, he's threatening to shut Russian gas off to, you know, Germany and Poland and all of that. Right. He actually did it and called it unplanned maintenance and it pissed off the Russians.
2: Of course, that's the Russian money.
1: Right. You know, their command, their, their economy right now is very heavily leaning on, you know, petrol. Uh, Well, yeah, because
2: without, without oil and gas, Russia's economy is the size of Maryland. Yeah. (laughs) With it, it's the size of Italy. Mhm. I don't know Stop. why I know this stuff. God damn it, Jeffrey. <laughs>
1: it's, it's, it's a great thing to know. So Belarus is like working this weird angle where they're trying to, they're, they're, they're trying to act like a, like a Soviet SSR, oh. but they're pissing off the guy who's, you know, paying them a lot of money to not fuck around with something
2: right and i just don't get the lying like if you believe your ideas are good just do it like do it out in the open (laughs) take the criticism you know what i mean
1: well and that's just it is is that he clearly is trying to start shit and the problem is is that if belarus if belarus starts something and fucking poland reacts that's not going to be good for belarus
2: Right. So originally what it was, was Angela Merkel arranged for every country in the European Union to take a certain percentage of the refugees from Syria and Afghanistan, mm-hmm. uh, Syria originally, and they would go to Turkey and then they would be busted. But then the Eastern Bloc, the Belaruses and the, even the Polands said, no, that's not fair. And so there was a standoff, but the European Union voted, and so everybody had to say, take a certain percentage. And we and Turkey even agreed to this, like, we will stage them in refugee camps until you come and get them. And everything was fine. But now, so Belarus, what they're doing is they're saying, we're taking them, we're taking our percentage, and then they're pushing them on other people so that other people say, <sighs> we don't want them. So they can say, see, nobody wants them, send them back.
1: So, so Belarus is not a part of the EU. Let's make that very clear real quick.
2: No, right. It isn't, but that's why it's pushing people on the EU border.
1: Yeah. It's pushing, yeah. It's pushing them onto Poland's border specifically because Poland doesn't want want a bunch of immigrants coming in.
2: Which is sad in and of itself,
1: you know, and, and so
2: Polish people be better. You're great people. You're the Polish people are so amazing and so, so welcoming. I don't understand that one at all.
1: The, there there is another uh long and hard conversation to have about american yeah. ideals versus you know you know france is for you know people who are french and mm-hmm. poland is for people who are polish and germany is for the germans and you know you,
2: you, you still need an id card if you're black in france like they're not, they're not like super woke. <laughs> I don't expect Poland to be super woke, but.
1: I, but, like, but in terms of being liberal about who they consider French, they're a lot, they're a lot different about it than say right. you know, Germany or uh, Sweden or Norway or Poland mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, I mean, for them, it's, you know, you know, they're like, especially having studied German law a little bit, you know you know and looking at you have the you have Greeks and Turks that you know were part of the 60s the program in Germany and nice. and while they live in Germany they are not Germans and they're not German citizens and they make it very clear to make sure that that's the case
2: yeah you know, pre well, world war 1 right the no, greece was no no
1: no this is so this is from the 1960s during what's uh wow, called the, okay. the Wunderschaft, uh the german economic miracle um, wow okay so the policy was is that during during germany's rebuilding and how they got built back up part of their what they needed to do is they needed to bring in workers so they brought in workers from from greece and turkey to boost that and so you actually have a you actually have some very interesting greek and and turkish populations within germany itself but the idea was is that they would work and then they would go home well that never really became the case they absolutely did the work but germany kind of became their home and so they kind of get stuck in this realm of you know you've got people that are greek and turkish who have done nothing but grow up in germany and live in germany but for all intents and purposes they are not german and and that's very much part of the german constitution you know, in a lot of ways, you know, what, what we had in America was this, you know, idea that you could have people from any country, any background come in and you're considered American because American was this idea. But in, in Europe, you know, you still have very much a, a, an ethnic or uh, I would argue in the in the case of France, a very uh, linguophile way of, of attaching relationship you know france france i would say their version is modeled heavily after our own so which is why you see generally more acceptance of people of different cultures uh being quote unquote french because they they're they're heavily on the linguistic side they're a francophile language but in terms of things like, you know, places like Germany, for example, it's very much, they still have law, the law of lex sanguinis, the law of blood. So it's there, it's, you know, for us, it's a foreign concept of thinking because, you know, the idea is, is that, you know, people who show up in America with, with the idea of being free and being able to build their own future is American, but in other countries, that's not the case. It's, you know, the land, you know, Refugees can can certainly live in that country, but they will never actually be a true citizen of that country because they're not German, for example, or not Swedish or not Polish, because that's how that's how their constitutions are written.
2: We're a melting pot we're not there's no there's no ethnicity to our democracy. you know what I mean?
1: Well, there's not supposed to be. We'll go with that. <laughs> there's not oh, supposed right. to be.
2: Thank you for listening to Public Access America. Find our live streams on YouTube every Sunday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and find the podcast anywhere you find your favorite podcast. I do wanted to say, I wanted to say, hey, thank you to Cult America for cross-promoting with us. We got that from Red Circle, and you'll hear that at the beginning of these podcasts. And go check out Unsubscribe with Kai. She's got a couple new episodes out. We're trying to get her on the show. And Hi, Ezra. Thank you for watching.
0: (laughs) To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our
2: moment. This is our time.
0: To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns.
1: You already know. The, world the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. Sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean it's and very nasty place, and I don't place, care I don't how tough, you, how are, tough you are, it will beat you to you your knees t- and keep you there permanently if you let, let it. You or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. Ask
0: not. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your. Country. I, poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation. Where they will not be dirt by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a a depression. In this lifetime,
1: you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome
2: welcome. to Public public Access America. Yes, we can. Sunday live streams on YouTube.
1: I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad.
2: On Twitter, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher, Smart Radio, Radio Public, Public, and Spotify. Yes, we can. can. Public Access America: History History in the Making, Making History in the Making.